And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good to be here, Dan. And Jeremiah Diedrich, Mark's son, a missionary pilot serving with a well-known organization for about three years. And Jeremiah is married to Julie. They have two children, Miriam and Nehemiah. It's good to be here. Well, it's nice to have you guys with us today. It's a real treat for me. In this program, what we do is consider a question that has either come in from a listener or one that we have heard of along the way, and we try to articulate and then answer that question. Today's question is this, and it concerns missions. Don't we have so many problems in our country that we need to focus here first? And uh, what's really meant by this question, first of all? Maybe, Mark, you can help us here. Well, well you know, you, you mentioned that question. It's a question I was asked by a close family member, <laughs> you know, some years ago. And it's like, we do have a lot of problems here. Shouldn't we focus here first? And, uh, you know, people wonder about that. Why go through all the expenditure to put a missionary on the field? But uh, I think we need to look at the mandate that we have from scriptures. Mm. And, of course, uh, we have uh, a number of them. And, uh, of course, you think of the Great Commission, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. When Jesus uh, spoke to his disciples before he ascended in Acts 1.8, he says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Mm. And so we have that end of the earth mandate. So, so in other words, Jesus didn't just talk about America? <laughs> <laughs> no. He, he didn't just talk about America. And, and that's, you know, actually that's one of my biggest issues, you know. A lot of times you could say, okay, well maybe we need to focus on our country first. Uh-huh. Because... After all, we're so poor, and and we don't have a lot, and we need to take care of the situation here first. But we can't say that in America. No, that's because true. Because we're not poor. The gospel has been well preached in this country. If there's any nation that is equipped to do that last step of taking it to the ends of the earth, America is that nation. Yeah, that's a good point. What about you, Jeremiah? Have you heard... Uh Questions like this, people say, "Well, why, why are you, why are you going into missions? You know, don't we have a mess here in America?" Or <laughs> yeah, um, actually, in my training uh, at Moody Aviation in Tennessee, there was uh, a speaker who came through that kind of brought this up and said, "You know, there's enough work for you guys to do here um, in uh, a missions and aviation capacity in the United States." But to me, the the mandate is to go. To all nations, that doesn't mean that everybody has to go to some other nation. God yeah. is going to call you individually where you need to go. The The uh, real key here is that everyone is called to go. This wasn't just for the disciples. This wasn't just for the 12 that, that mm. followed um, and mm. commandment for the apostles. But mm-hmm. this, this carries over to all of us. We're called to go. Now, whether you're called to go as a missionary pilot to South America or whether you're called to go and work in the soup kitchen at your local church. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a matter of the Holy Spirit working in your heart. 
and even as God calls us, it doesn't mean that um, we're always going to even like it. There, there, there may be some very tough situations that God places us in, and yet His His grace is sufficient for us. Yeah, uh, you look at um, the history of the apostles, the ones that. Jesus was talking to when he said, go into all nations mm. and baptize them. And well, what, what came of them? They, they all ended as martyrs, as <laughs> dying for the name of Christ. <laughs> you know, this is, this is not no. always going to be pleasant. And the truth is, here no. in this country, God has blessed us immensely. He has. And, and to look at how he's blessed us, how can we do any other than yeah. give ourselves? You know, the other day, and I haven't even acted on this yet, but somebody contacted Redeemer Broadcasting, and we're just a very, very small group, and we need lots of help to expand a little bit. And and yet here was this um, pastor from Uganda looking for help, wants to establish a broadcast ministry, you know, and can you help us? (laughs) And I'm thinking, oh, boy. And I know that uh, minimally we need to share information with this brother, and help them any way we can. We don't have as many resources, but um, it's all part of the Great Commission. Now, um, um, the Great Commission is really consistent. I love to think of the Bible as just being a, a continuing um, covenant from God to man. And, uh, you know, originally, uh, we were made in the image of God. And I'm thinking here of Genesis, in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, as you read towards more towards the end of that chapter, um, God creates man. Uh, he creates them male and female. And then he says this, then God, in Genesis one twenty eight. then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We're told how that Adam named things. And that's part of um, his fulfilling his role that God had given him and actually becoming under God, a leader and really a controller under God of these things as he is to subdue the earth. And so the Great Commission, I like to think, is very consistent uh, with that cultural mandate given to Adam and Eve way back in Genesis chapter 1. Now what about um, the Great Commission, Mark, you were reciting it from uh, Matthew there, Um, Christ talks about making disciples. What exactly does that bring to light, first and foremost, and then secondary and tertiary uh, types of uh, involvements? Yes, first and foremost, when he talks about making disciples, and by the way, I just want to add with that, you had mentioned that, that we are created in God's image, very special Creation and therefore, even people in the remotest parts are still created in God's image and are very precious. And so, it's important to make disciples out of them. Now, initially, of course, we think of evangelism, bringing them to the point of acknowledging who God is and coming to faith in Jesus Christ. But, Mm. of course, what that also entails then is not only their justification— uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, but also their sanctification. In hmm. other words, they're growing in their their faith so that they live to God's honor and glory. They mature as uh, as Christians who honor and glorify God with their lives. Mm. 
reminds me of that catechism question. What's the chief end of man? Mm-hmm. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Yes. Hey, I yeah. see we're uh, coming up on a break here. Today's discussion here on A Plain Answer is concerning missions. And one of the questions that we started off with was this, don't we have so many problems here in our own country that we just need to focus here first? Why missions? And we've just really started to scratch the surface of this subject. Stay with us now. We'll be right back after a short break. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned today to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and his son, Jeremiah Diedrich, a missionary pilot with a well-known organization. Now, Jeremiah, uh, you had mentioned that you had training at Moody Aviation in Tennessee. I've been waiting to ask you this, and I can't wait, and that is simply, what is it like when you go out in your airplane? I mean, what, what kind of prep is required, and, and how is it like in the, in the air? <laughs> All right, um... I'm flying over the Amazon jungle, and so we kind of get involved in all aspects from helping the missionaries that are going out into uh, the village locations to plan what they're going to take with, how much they can take on the flight. Mm. Uh, we're flying a Cessna 206, uh, which is modified for uh, short and and uh, grass airstrips that we're flying into. And so they're limited to about 400 kilos, uh, a little under 1,000 pounds. And okay. We help them prepare for that. Um, does your wife help? She does. Yeah. She does help out with that. Uh, she's a trained mechanic uh, for Excellent. aircraft. She helps us with the inspections. Um, she also helps flight following on the high-frequency radio, mm-hmm. uh, tracking where the aircraft is at and um, where we're going, when we're expecting to get there. Does she ever worry about you? No, she says she worries more at me driving to and from the airport in the old Volkswagen Combi. You know, they've said before that uh, airplanes are actually much more safer than than being on the highway with automobiles. I guess guess it's the same thing down there in South America. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, as we fly out to a village uh, location, most of our flights are between an hour and two hours. And Hmm. uh, shortly after takeoff, 
there's nothing but jungle. It's, you know, as you've mm. heard before, the broccoli underneath you, as oh, far wow. as the eye can see. And So there's no place to really land There if you really have to. isn't place for emergency landings. You crisscross oh. some rivers. That'd make me a nervous wreck. But we trust <laughs> the Lord with our safety, and we That's do right. our very best by His grace to prepare the aircraft and to make right. wise judgment calls, um, leaving margin for weather. Weather in the Amazon mm. can be tricky at times. And Do you fly with uh, instruments? Uh, yeah, we so cool. are instrument equipped, yeah. and, and we fly with instruments, yes. Um, That's neat. But when you go to land on a little airstrip that's that's fifteen hundred feet long in the middle of the jungle you do it all with your eyes that's right that makes sense to me yeah, they don't have the equipment for a zero zero landing for no uh, yeah. <laughs> you guys are going way over my head now. <laughs> no pun intended now um before our break we got into just a little bit touched on uh what does it mean when jesus said making disciples of all nations and mark you were starting to comment on that a little bit Yes, we of course it, it means to come to faith in Jesus Christ, but understand, you know, we're all fallen and sin has really taken a toll on us and it often takes a toll on our culture too. We see this in our own culture mm-hmm. and we see it in all the cultures. And so what it means in terms of making a disciple is that the power of the Holy Spirit sanctifies us and mm. changes our lives so that our desires to live for God and to die to sin and it sometimes means a radical transformation of hmm. some of the practices that we've had. And I know Jeremiah's seen that in some of the people groups mm-hmm. uh, that he's worked with. And you might want to comment on that, some of the changes that you've seen. Yeah, it's it's actually rather dramatic, the changes um, that we can see. Uh, me as a pilot, I get to fly into all different tribal locations, all different villages, and we've got a full range that that we're working with from groups who really have not accepted the gospel at all, um, Mm. that have thus far, as far as we know, no believers in Jesus, and then there are other groups that have a high percentage in the village and in the tribe of followers of Christ. And what's the range of the population of these different areas? Most most of the villages are between 100 and 300 people. Hmm. Um, and we have, uh, in most cases, just one village with a runway uh, for each tribe. The tribes are quite small. Hmm. Must be a lot of work just to um, even prepare a runway. That That, to me, falls into the category of infrastructure that's there to support the proclamation of the gospel. Yeah. No, that that is definitely the case. It takes years to prepare a runway because you're preparing it with machetes and axes and yeah. and shovels and and there's nothing else <laughs> like a bulldozer to get oh, in there and, and prepare it with. But here's here's an interesting statistic. They say that um particularly for Bible translators that are out in the field, they have on average, twenty support missionaries behind them—a a pyramid of support, if you would—underneath them, holding them up at the the point of the spear right. of twenty other missionaries, full-time missionaries, keeping them out there on the field doing their work with bringing the gospel. Yeah. Oh, I believe that. I relate that to um, um, broadcasting, and not that we have the luxury here, but I—you can just imagine some of the talk show hosts and uh, radio, especially television, you may only see one person 
in front of that camera or hear one person behind the mic. But if they're going to be doing a good job, there's tons of other people in support doing the research, running the electronics, etc., etc. So this pyramid of support, really, um, would you say 20 people? Yeah, that's, that that's the number that, that I've heard before is for one yeah. team out yeah. there doing Bible translation, yeah. you'll have 20 other positions filled, full-time missions, yeah. supporting them, keeping them out there. I'm one of those mm-hmm. as a pilot. Yeah. Um, you're having others as mechanics, as avionics technicians, just within the realm of aviation. Yeah. And then you begin to get into actual um, business work like accounting and sure. and keeping their support funds up and managed that and so all important. this kind of yeah. – oh, yeah. let, let me just uh, say here, now, some people might think, well, that seems kind of inefficient, doesn't it? Um, why don't you speak especially, Jeremiah, to your particular – area of, you know, some people might think, well, boy, and an airplane has to be expensive, you've got the pilot and all of that. Why don't these people just either hike into the bush <laughs> or take a boat into the bush? And would you speak to that? You yeah, know, you know? well, to start off with, some people say, man, isn't it dangerous flying over the jungle and, and flying in the weather that you get in the Amazon and around the equator? Yeah. Well, it can be, but you ought to try walking through the jungle if you want to see oh, danger. Yeah. <laughs> That's dangerous. I can imagine. Um, the reason that we have aviation is basically because there is no other way. Um, <laughs> it is very expensive. And it takes a lot of personnel to run an aviation program and to manage it the way that it needs to be managed. And the reason we have it there is not as a luxury, but as a necessity. Mm -hmm. The airplane, on average, will take about 20 minutes to cover the same ground as a person on river in a boat, a motorized boat would cover, in an eight-hour day. So we can can say that, yeah. We, I can say definitively that a couple of the missionaries that I fly, it's a two-hour flight to get into their village. And if they're to go in um, from the nearest city by boat, it takes them about 14 days to get there. In keeping with the notion of discipling the nations and, and the fact that spreading the gospel and doing a thorough job, including the sanctification part, entails more than just preaching, as very important as that is, I'm thinking here about your flight, the efficiency of the airplane. Do you encounter cases where not only are you delivering the missionary to that end point, but you are helping the people there in that tribe, possibly flying someone out in need of immediate critical medical care? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, snake bites, malaria, dengue mm. fever occasionally, broken mm. arms, um, even labor and delivery problems where a mother's having trouble giving birth. I can imagine. So this is a very telling way of showing the love of Jesus Christ to our fellow man. Yeah. Who is made in the image of God, and you want to see Christ become their Savior, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you Hmm. you can take a model from Jesus' ministry, healing the sick, feeding the multitude, and then presenting to them the good news of the kingdom of God. And wasn't there times in the gospel history where people would come to Jesus for help, and then the religious elite of that day would 
say, oh no, you, you can't help that person. He's from a different tribe, as it were, or he's, a, he's less than a person. You must see some similarities uh, in your own work, in, in missions. Yeah, um, one of the really encouraging things, uh, particularly with where I'm working, is that within the Christian community, we're beginning to see maturing and getting beyond that point where mm. I'm flying now for a half a dozen different mission agencies that are working together as a team, as the body of Christ, mm. fulfilling mm. different roles. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible to see the resources coming from German missionaries, Korean missionaries, mm-hmm. um, from from Argentinians and Brazilians, and and all coming together, you know, American missionaries like myself, and all coming together and bringing mm. what God has gifted us with and what our culture has in, in some ways endowed us with to the table mm-hmm. and saying, how can we use this as the body of Christ to speed the gospel, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ right. to these people who need it? That's right. Beautiful. The idea that um, you're bringing the gospel and this thing of support, uh, that's so keen to me in my thinking. Uh, you have infrastructure. You, you've got a you've got an airfield, that a runway that needs to be built. Maybe there's some enabling technologies. I'm sure that some groups uh, engage in um, translating the Bible. There must be computer skills that are needed for, for that. You're talking about airplanes. I see that as a Maybe this is rather crass to put it this way, but as a delivery mechanism. And uh, in broadcasting, we've thought about, you know, philosophically, you know, what are we doing? Um, We have programming. And why do we want another station? That's just simply a delivery mechanism. We don't want another station for the sake of having a station. We really want to get the message out. And so that's the way the airplane is in my Simple that's, view. That's, that's very true. I mean, honestly, we think of it as a pickup truck with wings. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it yeah. is, as much as I love flying and as much as, for me, there there is a lot of cool stuff and glamour with flying in the Amazon oh, jungle, yeah. flying a bush plane into these little <laughs> runways, I mean, that's, that's as cool as it gets for me. But if the gospel could be more efficiently and effectively delivered yeah. by some other means, I would hang up my wings in a heartbeat. That's right. That's right. Now, um, this isn't a uh, plug here necessarily, but maybe we have a listener or two or three or four listening here today to you, Jeremiah, who um, the Lord is speaking to your heart to support this missionary pilot. And uh, probably the easiest way to do that, if you're so inclined, would be simply to email us here at the station. Go to our website, RedeemerBroadcasting.org. You'll see a link there. Just use the email link, and uh, if you want to support this wonderful couple, this missionary pilot, uh, you said your wife, uh, Julie, works right along with you. Uh, she's actually a, a certified mechanic on, on this airplane. Yep. That, that amazes me. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard time changing the spark plug, and uh, it's remarkable. And you have two young children, and here here's this young couple uh, down there in South America, and it's not always easy. It's downright dangerous at times. Um, I'm sure you could use some support. So um, if we have a listener out there that wants to support this wonderful young couple, by all means, 
email us here at the station. Now, we only have a couple more minutes uh, before the end of this program. Let's um, let's try to summarize. Uh, Pastor Mark, I'm just thinking more about this idea of discipling the nations, uh, that of sanctification. What about um, as the gospel spreads through a land? Uh, it must affect other areas of life, I would think. Uh, maybe we'll see a... Um, a judge, a justice. Maybe we'll see more justice in the courts of law. Um, maybe we'll see better personal responsibility. Uh, what's your comments on that? Yeah, what do, what do you do is you, you do see it. It really affects the people. I'll just give a couple quick examples. Maybe Jeremiah can, can give an example too. But when we went to Moody uh, Bible Institute, uh, at the time Jeremiah was just a student there, Joe Stoll stood up and he says, you know, the police mm. department came here and he says, when your students are in class, the crime rate in this area goes down. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, and he says it, it's a direct oh. correlation. When the students leave for the summer, crime goes up. They come oh, yeah. back, crime goes down. Oh. The other one was in 1956, five missionaries went to what were called the Alka Indians. Yes. And uh, they were all martyred. And, of course, some people would say, well, just forget it and leave it. Well, the wife of one of those uh, martyred missionaries, Jim Elliott's wife, Elizabeth Elliott, went back. Mm-hmm. And the sister of one of those, Rachel Saint, Nate Saint's sister, went back with them, and they shared the gospel. Mm-hmm. And many of these, uh, what were called Alcas Waroni, I believe is the proper name of them, uh, were converted to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And it has been yeah. said that had that not occurred, because they were such a warring people, and they would kill one another just out of fear. Mm. They probably would be extinct today. Mm. But because Christ has transformed them, they quit killing each other, uh, the, the tribe is thriving now. There you go. That's how it fleshes out. I see we're out of time already for this edition of A Plain Answer. I want to thank you so much for joining us today for this interesting discussion. I'm thinking maybe we should have a follow-up discussion because there's so much more to cover here. In the studio with us today has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and his son, Jeremiah Diedrich, who is a missionary pilot with a well-known organization, having served with them for about three years now. And uh, if you have a question for us that you'd like us to consider on this program, on a future program, please email us using the address on our website. For Redeemer Broadcasting and A Plain Answer, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Thanks for joining us today, and may our Lord richly bless you today as you serve Him.